Hello and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lamineo. This is part of my 29 Days of Magic series where I interview a black woman a day for 29 straight days for Black History Month. Uh, and you're going to have a delightful conversation today with Shanae Mitchell, who is a front-end developer here at BML, and she has an amazing story, and I can't wait for you all to hear all about it. Hi, Shanae! Hi, Laura! Welcome to the party. Um, so glad we're finally doing this. I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you excited, but I'm excited. Your girl's excited. <laughs> <laughs> I I am very excited to have you. Full disclosure, today's my men, one of one of my mentees, and she's amazing and brilliant. So you know I might be a little biased, um, but today since you know what the whole podcast is and you've been sending me wonderful people, you know the first question is always the same. Answers are always amazing, and so I'm sure yours will be awesome. So Janae, what was your first job? My first job was at White Castle. My first actual paying job was at White Castle. For those of you guys who aren't Midwesterners or uh, American or have never seen Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Um, that was my <laughs> first job. <laughs> I was 15. I got a, well, 14 and a half, technically. There was this mayor program. So there's a program that Mayor Daly ran that kids could start working as early as the age of 14 during the summertime. And what made it unique was that it was supposed to be a learning opportunity. So I worked at White Castle, but then once a week I would go and hang out with the general manager or I would go and shadow a manager at a different White Castle, or I would go to their headquarters, which was somewhere in the suburbs. And like they would, they would shadow different jobs and I, it was a really awesome opportunity, uh, but mostly I was on the grill making burgers. Uh, but most people don't know at White Castle, it doesn't matter what job you have, you have to start on the grill making burgers. So people start there, then they go off to school and it's like the army reserves. Like you come back once a, once a month for your weekend and work at White Castle and then go back to school and get your degree and then come back and work your way up to the, um, the top of the White Castle onion heap. Onion heap? <laughs> oh my God. <coughs> but that was my first job working the grill. I could set a grill real quick. I was the fastest grill setter um, at my store at 14 and a half turning 15. I got paid every week, every Friday to get a check, baby. Oh my gosh. My you first check, you? Oh my gosh, my first check. My mom never bought us name brand shoes, name brand anything. And my mom was like the the CFO of City of Chicago Colleges. So it's not like she didn't have it. It's just that we didn't have it because it wasn't our money. So she was going <laughs> to, and she's an accountant, and she's an accountant. So she was frugal. She did not buy us nay. I didn't get my first pair of J's until like I made a, I was like, if I, once I make this much money, I'm going to get a pair of Jordans. That was the first pair of Jordans I got and I had to buy them. So I, with my first little check, it was like $367 for that week. I bought my sister all name brand stuff. My sister was like four. <laughs> 
I bought her like Nikes, Adidas. I got her whole fits. We ran out. I spent my whole check on my little sister. And then she ran into the house and was like, was like, mom, look, these are real. Because I told her she, all the stuff she had before wasn't real. I was like, those are real shoes. <laughs> my first job and my first check. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So, clearly, you learned a lot from this first job, especially about your own agency. So, tell me how we go from being, like, I'm buying my Jordans and my White Castle money to being a front-end developer. Like, what was that journey like? Real roundabout. Uh, <laughs> real roundabout. Like, that was my first job. I worked in food service when I was in college, but my degree in college, I had very weird parents who were like, go to school for what you're passionate about. So I got my degree in poetry. I have a, <laughs> my first degree from Bradley University is uh, in creative writing, is English creative writing with a biology minor. And I had no idea what I was going to do with that. So I applied for a ton of jobs, some like um, publishing jobs. I knew I couldn't do editing because I still suck at spelling. I'm the worst. A Microsoft Word, like that, when the auto check came, that was for me. That was for me. Clippy in the corner telling me all of my words were spelled wrong, that was for me. So I knew editing wasn't going to be it. <laughs> but I was like, I could be a technical writer. My, my minor was biology. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I got hired by a for-profit school out of um, college called the Art Institutes, now defunct. And I was a high school recruiter. So I presented for a living to high school students. And ours is a little bit different. We didn't just go to college, to college fairs and open houses and that kind of stuff. We had to call, cold call teachers. Um, so catching them on their lunch breaks, emailing them, cold emails, just random, random emails. And then book a teacher to have us come into their classroom and take over their classroom for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes when I, in Indiana, that's how long their periods were. And then I would have to talk to high school students for that entire time period and convince them to fill out a form to get more information about my school, the school I represented. And then I had to walk around the school and try to book all of the seniors and junior teachers for that school. And that was what my job was for seven years. Wow. So, yeah. Um, about five years in, the writing was on the walls of for-profit school. There was all types of, you know, things in the news about it. Um, all the rules were changing. And even though I had summers off, I was not getting paid very well. So I was presenting about this major which was web design and interactive media. And they have all of these numbers about the amount of money people are making and how quick it is they're finding jobs. And I was like, I'm kind of creative. Like I do the poetry stuff and, and um, maybe this is something that I would like to do. So I went back to school. I got a second degree, a second undergrad in web development and interactive media. I graduated in... September of 2015. Mm -hmm. I had an interview for a job in October of 2015. 
went to Italy after that interview. And then when I came back, that was my first international trip, like really, really international. And I came back to a job offer. And that's when I switched careers in November of 2015 and got into coding. Wow. So, um, so that was a journey. So you've been coding? I've been, been coding for almost 10 years. And so how do you get to an agency like us at VML? Um, I, you know what's funny? When I was in school, I was like, I want to work for an agency. Like that was what, I, when I was going through in 2015, when I was going through that, I was like, I, I want to work um, in an agency. And the first job, so my first internship was for a political campaign. I worked for the gubernatorial, uh, gubernatorial campaign here in Illinois. So for a time period, I was like, maybe I want to go into politics. Because they all have websites, they all have, like, there's code involved there. Um, and then you can be, like, a digital director. And I was like, maybe I want to do that. But the more I talked to, like, my professors, I was like, I really want to be at an agency. But, I, and my thought process was, I'm creative, I like commercials, and this seems like you do something different all the time. It wasn't like a, it, it is, it's nothing like, what it actually is to work as a coder at an agency, but that was my thought process. I got a job that was just a straight up coding. Like my first job was straight up coding for a more corporate type of place. Um, I was let go in like 2020. And then I started working for a box retailer after that. And that was also not my vibe. But as soon as a recruiter called me and was like, hey, I'm recruiting for a marketing company. I was like, I said that in 2015 that I was going to work for a, a, like a marketing agency. I said I was going to work for an agency and I'm going to do it. So I took the leap and I, it was a contract. To, it was like a contract position. It was not necessarily contract to hire. And I ended up being converted full time after a year. So it was it was kind of my goal. It was kind of my goal. I got here in a while. So something like you very, manifested this to happen for yourself? Listen. It's nothing wrong with manifesting a little bit, a little bit, you know? It is real. This is what I always tell people. You have to see it to believe it. That's true. Very you true. Got to. You absolutely have to. So, you know, we've had some really awesome folks from the technology side on a part of this series this year. And, you know, for folks out there who are trying to figure out, well, how do I even get into technology? What is it? What does your day to day look like? Can you explain what you actually do? Okay. I like to use what I do. My metaphor is all is architecture. My brother is an architect. Um, so my, my metaphor is architecture. Um, what I do as a front-end web developer is a, a back-end developer, basically they build the, um, the skeleton of the building and then a front-end developer is the person that wraps the outside in what has been designed for them by a graphic designer. So a graphic designer in this sense is the architect designing the outside. And then you have your builders, your construction people who are your back-end developers who build the bones. And then the outside, that's what I do as a front-end web developer. I take what I see visually, I convert it into a series of words and phrases 
that communicate with whatever system you're in, whatever CMS you're in, which is a content management system. And that builds that outside that a consumer or a user goes to and sees a beautiful website. Awesome. Thank you for explaining what that does. Because I think, I mean, you have a degree in poetry and you're a front-end developer. So there, and it's funny, like we've had you know, some great folks from our t- uh, from the agency who, again, came from art and creative um, backgrounds and are now working on the tech side and coding. And there is this really beautiful intersection between art and science that, you know, your same brain that allows you to create beautiful things, whether those be words or just or pictures or paintings, can also be done when, when you are creating the beautiful code that you are building to tell a story to your website. That's very true. It's like a conversion factor. Because like what an artist is in general trying to do is to convert a feeling, a thought, an emotion into something visual or something that you can think about that pushes you in a certain direction. And depending on the artist, they might be trying to push you in a direction they want you to go in, or they're just trying to push you in general so that you, you know, get something from the, from that particular art. And I definitely feel like that's what we do with web development. I always say, um, like, I get paid money to do something that is so unimportant, it's the most important thing in the world. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's not doctoring, it's not lawyering, it's not... You know, we're we're not solving the universe, but without what I do, you can't find your doctor or you can't find a good lawyer or you can't read about the things that they're solving in the universe. So it's like we're very we're kind of small cogs in a big system with a very important and unimportant job at the same time. It's so important and so true. Uh, So. You do all this really amazing work, and I'm sure there are times where you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually doing this foolishness. Talk to me about a time when you had a challenge, and you're like, there's no way I'm going to get through this, and then you did. I would say most likely in 2020 when I was let go. So I was let go in January of 2020. And uh, like, not gonna lie, I sat in the office and cried. Like I looked at my boss cause I was like, you didn't even tell me we were cool. I'm like, you didn't even tell me, you know, they they, they um, pack your shit up in a little box, bring it downstairs. <laughs> you don't have, have time to like say anything to anybody. I'm like, dang, y'all thought I was going, you know, set it off in here or something. Um, I can't even take my own stuff. So I'm like taking my little box to my car. And I remember sitting in my car and being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just called my dad crying like I normally do. I'm like a a daddy's girl. So I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. So I, for like a week or so, I just moped and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Um, Then I was like, let me Uber because I got to pay these bills out here. Then a pandemic happened and it was happening to everybody, right? So it it kind of like the, January was the front end of of our of our pandemic, but like this the writings on the wall type of situation. And I remember when I was let go at the end of January, I had already I like with what the last paycheck I had, I paid the last bit of a trip to Columbia. I was like, 
I don't even know if I can go on this trip. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I know I paid for it, but I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I was basically like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going on this trip. I'm going to have the blast. I'm going to have the time. Of my life. time. Absolutely. And, and I'm just going to worry about all of this stuff when I get back. The day, legitimately, we arrived in that airport at like 11.52 p.m. At 11.59 is when they shut down the all flights to international travel. So I came back in. Legitimately, that trip saved my life because I had a blast. I had a time. I didn't worry about anything. And I was like, you know what? I had that trip. God got me on this trip. I'm He gonna have me the rest of the way. So I was basically just like, I'm going to figure it out. Whatever it is, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to Uber. I'm going to get these unemployment checks. I'm going to do what I need to do. And no kidding, maybe, oh, maybe two weeks afterwards, maybe two weeks after that, I was looking and there was all types of of things about like React. And I was like, I I, like the company I was working with was very stagnant in, in what they were coding. Um, I'd only been in like a basic HTML, CSS. I knew a little bit of TypeScript. Um, it just was not, it, it wasn't conducive to me learning new things because of the volume. I got really good at A11Y stuff though, which was very, very good. And I, that's what I was doing mostly is audits. And these are just minute changes. These are not that difficult. It's just time consuming. So two weeks late, two weeks, I'm looking for jobs after this trip. And I was like, I'm going to learn React. So I hit up one of my friends, um, uh, Kabari, who's just an amazing human, went to Bradley with me, English major the same as me. Now he's a software developer. Um, And I was like, can you teach me React? And for a month, he gave me a crash course in React, me coding, me just learning all types of stuff. And um, after that, I applied for a React job. I applied for a React job where I was the only per- I had I literally learned React for a month, re- repl- like applied for a, a React job and then got a job. I, I started May 15 of that year um, of 2020. Started May 15 of 2020 as a React developer. Um, and that, and like as soon as that happened, I was like, you know, I flipped this in a month. In that month, I built, I built, <laughs> I I have an extra room in my, in my house. I built out like this, my entire room. Like I was like, I, I'm going to work from home. I'm, I'm going to be a React developer. I need an office, built an office, learn React in a month and then got a job. And um, that led me to here. So that was definitely, that told me. I could get through anything. If I could get fired and get a a job that pays me twice as much as the money that I was making at the job that I was um, fired from, I could I could legit do anything. That's the most important thing. You will figure it out. You will find a way. You will knock on the door. You will reach out to the friend, and you will figure it out. I think that's a great way of looking at the world. One hundred percent. And I also think. 
they you, I never understood misery loved company before. Um, <laughs> and I I have I I've never been let go from a job. I have I have two track records that I was extremely proud of. One is that every job I've ever interviewed for, I've gotten. And two was that I've never been let go from a job ever. And having like re- regardless of what the culture, the climate was, and I know it was like everybody got laid off in 2020, but it was like not like I, I it was so hard for me to get over that hump because it was something that had never happened to me before. I was fortunate. I mean, you want definitely are fortunate, but like you know, I kind of thought if you ever, if you, even if you ever did get laid off, you would be like, all right, I got this, I'll figure it out. I agree, and I also think that there's this, like, tech is just a really great job for that type of situation because once you know, like, I, I was deciding whether I wanted to learn React or Angular. Realistically, once you know any JavaScript wireframe, you can learn another wireframe. So while I might get let go for this particular thing, I can spend a month, learn something else, get another job because I already have the experience. I know how to work on my own. I've, I've, you know, worked in, in different types of environments. And that's the, that's one of the things that I love about tech. And I talk to people about getting into tech all the time. I like, I'm like, do, are your kids interested in it? Get them in there. Because once you learn one thing, it's a gateway to all these other things and you're giving yourself this cushion. And that was the thing that, that parents, you know, breached. Like my mom had a job with the social security administration that she quit to go to college. And her parents were like, why would you quit a job with social security office? That's a, that you'll have a job for life. Um, Cause they, they just wanted her to be comfortable and wanted to make sure that she was going to be successful. And that's kind of what tech gives you. It gives you this, um, you know, it gives you a soft landing spot so that you can find something else if something should happen. And I think that is such an important piece for the folks listening out there that, you know, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to be this super deep, 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 deep coder that like does these very foreign languages. It's like once you start getting into the universe of technology, there's so many things you can learn which pay well and you can, you know, and have, you know, interchangeable skills because you can learn a language. Um, cause you have those great foundational elements. And so it's a great, it's a great career path for folks, you know, who can be creative, but also w- want to continuously learn. That's the best part about it. You can continuously learn. Absolutely. And AI has actually opened up more jobs. Like I, I know a lot of people are very concerned about AI taking over their jobs and, uh, for some people, that is a very real fear, like especially if you're looking at the service industry. But in tech, there's this whole wealth of jobs that are now open because you have prompt engineers, you mm-hmm. have um, people who are training data, you have the people who are reading the data that the that the AI is spitting out and, and they're able to kind of delineate uh, what's useful, what's not for their particular organizations. My um, cousin um, was a teacher for years and she got burned out. She was an assistant principal at a, at a high school in Chicago and she retired early and went to school for um, machine learning and data engineering. And now she works for Stanford. 
There you go. Uh, but like fully remote. And she did that in a summer. So it, it, there's so there's so much that's open for people and specifically women and people of color. Um, you know, it's Black History Month. Like Say there's that. so many there's so many avenues for people that it's like you there's there's a space for you. It's like engineering. There's a space for you. Something that you're good at is going to align with something in tech and it's going to be something that's interesting to you and that's exactly what what you're going to be into. Could you name a couple of places where folks could start on their journey in terms of like finding out how to even look into a career in tech? Absolutely. Um, Pluralsight and Coursera are my two favorites. I always tell people to start with Pluralsight because they have like a a, a one month trial. <laughs> um, Pluralsight has a one month trial. And during the course of that month, you could just take a bunch of one week courses, a bunch of, of two week courses, and then you can kind of figure out which lane you like. Take something in back end, take something in front end, take something in, in AI, take something in data, um, take something in network engineering, um, take something with AWS or React or Angular or you know CSS, which is my personal baby. I love CSS. It's it's the it's an OG, but it's it's a, a great um, area to go into. Like CSS animations are still god to me. You know what I'm saying? So there's so many different avenues you can explore in that month. And once you find a few things that you're interested in. You can continue with Pluralsight if you like that learning. I forgot how much it costs, somewhere between $30 and $60 a month. So it's not um, this crazy reach. But Coursera has these certifications that they offer with their training. So you can get a meta certification in React. And if you don't know, Facebook invented React and then it kind of expanded from there. Um, uh, so there's meta certifications in that. You can get certifications in networking. You can get certifications through universities. Um, you can get them through um, trade schools. So there's it, Coursera is where you go once you've figured out this is a thing that I want to do. I want to get a certification in it and I want to make this a career. Pluralsight is where you go when you want to hone your skills on something, when it's something you're, you're exploring. Um, whenever I want to pick up something new quickly, I'll go to Pluralsight uh, because I, I want the knowledge because I'm doing something specific, but I don't necessarily need um, a certificate in it. So there's a those are their different avenues. Um, but it, I will say this, it took me a long time to be comfortable with online learning. Uh, I had to go to school. Like I, I switched careers and I don't know if I would have if I was just doing purely online. So if you find something in Pluralsight or Coursera that you like, go to a boot camp. Um, spend your time. If this is something that you're committed to, um, those six month, nine month, one year boot camps, they work. People get jobs in those all the time. Um, VML has a, um, a partnership with Launch Code, which is a boot camp in Kansas City, and hire a lot of, of interns um, from there uh, who uh, have been converted full time. And a lot of companies pair with those boot camps. So if you're more of a, um, I need to be in person, I need to have an instructor, I need to have somebody to ask questions to type of learner, go to school, do a boot camp. It works too. If you're a person who's cool with 
with um, self-pacing, you know, with making sure that you do things on time. Uh, maybe you have a, an accountability partner and you guys are learning together. Um, that is definitely something that you can do on your own or with a lot of support. You're going to help so many people, Janae, with that. Because I know that there are so many folks who are like trying to figure out what to do, change careers, and don't even know where to start. And so I think that you're going to really, really impact some people's lives. So thank you so much for saying that. For um, sure. So, you know, obviously, Janae is a lot. And you're probably super busy. I know that you are. So what does Janae do for Janae? What do you do for self-care? Um, <clears throat> other than tripping, um, as in <laughs> going on trips. Um, and also periodically falling down because who <laughs> who isn't clumsy? Um, but it happened, I... girl, it happened to me <laughs> a couple of days ago. I am currently in a lot of pain. Um, oh no! Because I tripped and fell off of my seat at the office a couple of <gasps> days ago Laura! and fell on my back. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> my. <laughs> Uh, my sister lived with me for a while, and we are both uh, kind of clumsy, although I'm really good at catching myself, so I'm coordinated enough that I can usually catch myself. But as I've gotten older, the issue is that catching myself causes problems, too, because now I've twisted in a weird way, and the back hurts, or, you know, I, I pull a hammy or something. Um, so um, as as one of my teachers used to say in high school, um, I don't bounce like I used to. <laughs> so I 100% understand that but my sister and I used to blame my dog like he'd be in the way but I'd be like Frank why are you trying to kill me I buy your food bro like are this is what we're on so I completely understand that but um I I like to travel I like to work with nonprofits on their techie things uh so I will do, um, I'm not great at graphic design, but I will be a connection for people to um, graphic designers or backend developers or, or things that they, that they need. Um, I uh, volunteer for small political campaigns. So folks in, in rural areas that can't necessarily afford to pay somebody to build a website, I'll do it for them. I, I own a nonprofit that I spend a lot of my extra time with. It's it's like a second job, but since I'm so passionate about it, I don't feel like it's a second job. Um, it's called Village 606, and I, I um, started it in 2008, and we became an official 501c3 in November of 2019. Um, so that time that I had off, that like two and a half months that I had off, uh, helped me a lot to to focus on that because when I wasn't Ubering or when I wasn't job searching or or trying to to learn React, um, I was doing things to build up that nonprofit. We were doing community cleanups after riots. We were um, doing blessing bags for um, the unhoused uh, folks here in Chicago. Um, working on the West Side. So that's something that I absolutely love. And obviously my dog, Frank Thomas, he's great. Wait, Frank Thomas, named after the legendary White Sox um, outfielder? Yes, because he is also <laughs> big and black. <laughs> I adore you. 
you. <laughs> he's a cute, he's a cute, big, I wouldn't say cute little, but he doesn't, he's not little. He's a Bernie's mountain dog. So um, he's very uh, um, adorable. He's a highly um, requested person on my, on my TikTok. He thinks he's a person. So we'll go with that. Okay. He, that's who he thinks he is. Okay. Bet. Understand, understand. Um, fantastic. Oh my gosh, Nina, you've been such a delight to have on here. Oh my goodness. All right, last question for you. Uh, do you have a give or ask of the audience? Mm, an ask. I do. So um Village 606, like I said, is my nonprofit. And the first thing that we started doing was creating these blessing bags for unhoused folks in Chicago to help them get through the winter. We call them warm weather kits. And it has like socks, underwear, um, hats, gloves, some hand warmers, um, some snacks in there, like a $5 McDonald's gift card. And the beautiful thing about these things is that this is something that anyone can do and put in their car. Just take the things that you have in your home, like your, you know, travel size toothpaste, an extra toothbrush, um, um, a, you know, when you get those vanilla gift cards and then there's like $11 left on it and you have no idea what you're gonna spend it on, just throw it in that bag. And the next, and just keep it in your car. And the next time you pass somebody who is in need, just give it to them. Um, we are um, in the city of Chicago. We have all these migrants who were dropped off here in in cold weather. It was snowy. It was it was. We had weekends that was negative three, negative seven degrees, um, and and the amount of of happiness and joy that you see on someone when you give them a blanket because they're cold or you give them socks. Um, I I gave um, a kit to a migrant family and, and the mother immediately opened it and she took the socks out and her daughter didn't have any socks on in the wintertime. She put like, like, I gave them like two socks, two pairs of socks and she put both of them on her daughter immediately. So these are the types of things, it's little things, takes very little effort it ha you you do it while you're while you're actually in motion driving somewhere and selfishly it makes you feel so so good um but I, that would be my ask everybody who's listening pack yourself a kindness kit pack yourself a blessing bag put it in your car um i keep mine in a little um glove box Give it out when you when you see somebody in need. So that is my is my ask. And if you want more information about kindness kits and all the other stuff, you can definitely search Village 606. Um, it'll pop up for you, Village606.org, and um, we'll definitely support you, especially corporate partners. Y'all want to make some kindness kits? We got you. Oh, I adore you. Uh, that is so incredible. We'll put that in the show notes for folks to uh, donate and also just know what to do. And village606.org. Follow, like, share, tell people about it. Because, um, you know, your commitment to doing good is just so incredible. And I am so happy and honored to be your mentor. Because uh, I learn from you every time we chat as well. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for being part of 29 Days of Magic. I appreciate you for having me. And, you know, you are the best mentor ever. So 
um, the feeling is mutual. Aw, the check is in the mail for that that lovely poem. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've complimented somebody this week, they have all said that, and it has nothing to. I just feel like people don't get compliments enough. Yeah, that's another ask. Go compliment somebody. Tell them they look good, but not in a weird, creepy way. In like an organic, nice way. You know what I'm saying? No, you're but right. No, I mean, right. no I was, HR I got was like, no, when someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. Just Yes. Um, and compliments them right back. It's reciprocal. Compliments should be like boomerangs. You send one out, come right back. You get one back. You send one out, get one back. Send one out, get one back. Absolutely. You're No, you're a thousand percent right about that. Um... You are an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being part of 29 <laughs> Days of Magic. Um, it's been great having you. Like I said, we're going to share all the details out to like you know empower folks to connect with you for the kindness kiss and all the great work that you do and to give you more support because like it takes nothing to be kind. Nothing at all. Absolutely zero. But it, it can do so much for so many folks. So um, you're so very right. So thanks so much for being on the show. And that's our show.